Uh, we have been in a series uh, since the Sunday after Easter uh, entitled Gifted for More. Uh, throughout seven weeks, we've been exploring how God as a generous God abundantly supplies all that we have, all of the gifts, all of the blessings we enjoy in this life, and how he has given them to us for a purpose. So that's where we started week one. Uh, week two, if you weren't with us, what we looked at was natural gifts and abilities, skills, talents that just come kind of through your DNA or maybe you learned early on. So like the musicians we heard, uh, some of you can do music like that. Uh, that's not my gift, right? So I can sing along is what I like to say, but you didn't call me to be your lead vocalist for a reason, okay? Uh, so different gifts, right? So if you have a gift of music, talk to Jonathan. He's honest. We'd love to grow that team and have more musicians as part of it, okay? Then the next three weeks, Pastor Randy unpacked two pivotal chapters in Scripture. If you weren't here with us, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. It's kind of nice that it happened to be both chapters 12. So just 1 Corinthians and Romans 12 um, unpack and explore a variety of the gifts, the special gifts, spiritual gifts is what we call them, that God gives to those who are baptized believers, that who has, those who have faith in Jesus have received the Holy Spirit, and Scripture promises that along with that you receive some kind of special spiritual gift. And so we want to uh, talk about the importance of that, raise your awareness of that, cultivate intentionality, and then all leading to what I get to talk about today, that is the why, or the so what, you might say, about what this all means. How God wants us to be generous and use these gifts for the good of others and for his glory. That's what we're going to talk about today. We have one more stop that we're going to make in this series next weekend, Memorial Day weekend, if you're around. We'd love to have you back with us as we look specifically at some of the so-called miraculous spiritual gifts. That is, gifts of healing or of tongues or the interpreting of tongues, of prophecy. And how do those fit both in the ancient context of Romans and 1 Corinthians and in today's church as well? So uh, why Pastor Randy gave me that topic, I don't know. Actually, I do know. It's just how the dates fell right? But uh, we we're like, either one of us could take that one. We'd love to unpack that with you. So that'll be next weekend. So whether you're with us for the first time today, or you've been with us every step along the way, here's kind of a central landing point to launch into our talk for today. From Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Would you read these words with me? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm using the New Living Translation, the NLT for today. I love the way it translates this verse. Very easy, accessible language for us, starting with that first declaration. For we are God's masterpiece. I imagine some of you coming in today feel like anything but a masterpiece. You feel like a master mess. Right, maybe you got some health issues going on. Like I got this head cold thing. I don't know if you can tell. It's just bugging me. Sarah's home with the same thing today. Um, uh, maybe you just don't feel good. Uh, maybe you've got some broken relationships with a spouse, a child, a parent, a coworker, a neighbor. Maybe you're in the midst of a challenging season of relationships, and you're like, man, I just don't feel like a masterpiece. Maybe you come in today and you've got some regrets some burdens, some shame that you carry with you and you hope nobody else knows about but you can't stop thinking about and you're thinking, I don't feel like a work of art. I feel like I am a mess. What I want you to hear as we get started today is that God does not look at you and see or define you based on your worst moments in life. 
He doesn't identify you and ground your identity in your relationship with him at your lowest moment. Instead, what he does is when he looks at you, children of God, followers of Jesus, he looks at you and says he sees the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, that scripture declares covers over all of our sin, washes us clean, makes us brand new. And so when God looks at you, he sees something beautiful that he delights in, that he takes joy in watching play out in life. And yeah, sure, you will have mistakes and regrets. That's why every time we come back together, we confess our ongoing struggle with sin. God knows about that too. But he doesn't define you by that. Instead, he says, you are my masterpiece. And what that also means is that every single one of you in the room today and watching from home, you are stunningly unique. There's no one quite like you. You have gifts and interests naturally, and then also a spiritual gift that God has given you that no one else on the planet or the history of forever has. And what that means is that you are indispensable to what God wants to do in your life and in the world. Wow. Isn't that amazing just to try to take in and absorb? In God's eyes, you are a masterpiece. Take a look at the second part of this, and it's for a purpose. We're created anew. This is the new life we have by faith in Jesus Christ. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, our sins are atoned for, our life is restored. You are anew in Christ so that you can do all the good things that he planned for us long ago. What scripture says is that from before the foundation of the world, you were known to God by name. He knew the day that you would be conceived and born. He would know every breath and step you would take. He would number your days and the purpose of them. And the plans that he has for you from before the foundation of everything are good. The good things that he has planned for you to do long ago. So it's with that perspective that we as the leadership of the church, as those who are trying to drive our ministry forward, we started asking some fundamental questions. Here's a few of them. How are we encouraging and empowering all the girls and boys and all the women and men who are part of the St. Peter family to be generous with their gifts. Or if we believe that that is true, how are we actually helping you identify and release what God has already planted in you for his glory and for the good of the whole world? Second question related to that. What discipleship tools and strategies do we need to develop and help you identify those gifts and use them for God and for others? Even before the pandemic, we had a team of people who were wrestling with the questions, how do we take that core fundamental thing God has called us to do to make disciples, and how do we express that in fresh ways in the 21st century? Right? The church transcends time because Jesus does, but things change over time, and so we're trying to figure out how do we do that. And then the, the world stopped. That was a crazy season. right? We're glad we're on the other side of that. Hopefully, we don't ever have to go through a pandemic again. right? And, um, but it gave us a chance to stop and think, okay, what new things do we bring back? What, do, what returns? And and how do we develop tools specifically to help you grow more like Jesus and put into practice his words and ways? You hear us use that language all the time. That's on purpose. Okay? We're going to talk to you at the end of my message about one next step you could take that's one of these discipleship tools. One more question. How can we celebrate all the ways that God's people are using their gifts outside of the church walls? You hear me talk later on. There's all sorts of work you can do here, and there's important volunteer roles like in the band or hospitality, serving all sorts of ways as part of the church community. That needs to happen, but it happens best when you are also out in the world, out in the workplaces, 
where you go to work every day, in the schools, in the volunteer communities, when you're at Community Threads or Restore, at uh, Goodwill and Salvation Army, when you're volunteering at Kay's Animal Shelter or going to the hospitals to visit people, when you're taking care of people next door, when you are out and about bringing good news where you live, work, and play, we want to celebrate and identify that. Now, those are questions that we have been wrestling with as we try to express in fresh ways what it means to be the body of Christ here. And all of it is so we can get in alignment as best as possible with how God sees the world and how he wants to work within it. I love this picture of our planet. Uh, I've never had a chance to go out into space, but I'd like to think if I had a chance, I would. I mean, there's a few rockets that don't make it, so there's, there's that in the back of my mind, right? So I'm thinking about that. Uh, I don't know if I ever will, but can you imagine being out in space and looking back on our planet? You'd see something like this, right? And what you see is this stunningly beautiful place that God has made. And around it, you have all these other planets, you have stars, you have constellations, galaxies, you have this universe, and you're like, I can't even begin to fathom all that God has made. But what, what's interesting, and I find fascinating, is that when God looks at this, he tells us very clearly what he sees. John three sixteen. you probably know this verse, for God so loved the world. And what's interesting is, in Greek, that word there is the cosmos, okay? Uh, it's intended to be earthy. Uh, grounded in the present reality that we enjoy today. God loves this planet and everyone who's part of it in all that he has made. God looks at you and sees a masterpiece. He looks at his world and he sees something he loves dearly. He's intensely interested and he wants to be involved in it every day. And his desire is that you, as you grow more and more like Jesus and participate in his work of redeeming and restoring the world, that you would use what he's given you in a way that brings him honor and glory and helps make the most of whatever we have on this planet for as many days as we walk upon it. Now that is fundamentally true. John three sixteen, right? You can write it down. Here's another thing that's true. It's the beginning of our text for today. Peter says this, the end of the world is coming soon. Right? Now maybe you've seen pictures, if you've seen somebody standing on a street corner, you know, like a street pro, you know, prophet evangelist holding up one of the signs, the end of the world's coming, you're like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what to do with that. Right? Or maybe you've read this kind of passage and you've thought the same thing. Like, huh, I wonder if Peter was wrong, because that was like 2,000 years ago. So what do we do with that? Okay? I got two ways that I resolve that in my mind. This may or may not help. Two things. Why are we still here? Number one, God wants more humans. Okay? So what has he said? He said, go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, keep making babies, all right? Have more humans. Why? Because he wants as many as possible to be with him for forever. God's ultimate goal is to live with his people in a perfect world, free from sin, sorrow, suffering, or any other kind of loss, right? So why are we still here? Why is it stretching on? It's because God apparently wants more humans, okay? Second thing, uh, I think that it's written this way to give us a unique biblical Christian perspective. Peter says the end is near. Jesus says we don't know the day or hour, not even the Son. Only the Father knows the day when the end of all things will happen. So why would he leave us uncertain but clear that the end is coming soon? I think it's for this. It changes our perspective on both today and for forever. We know as followers of Jesus that we have a forever future. We're not worried about that. We live for forever. Nothing's going to take that away, right? God is good. But what we also know is that every moment is precious. So we want to take, take advantage of it, use it to the fullest, as best we can, to do whatever God puts in our hands. So with that, the end is near perspective, 
We both know what the future is and also that this day matters because God has us here for a reason. And so, as he says next, we are earnest and disciplined in our prayers. God wants us to be in constant communication with him so we can be aware of his word and his work in the world and do what he calls us to do as part of it. And how do we live that out? Peter answers that for us next. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Right? God so loves the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, you are on the receiving end. If you know and follow Jesus, you are on the receiving end of a vast, measureless love that covers over all of your sins and makes you brand new. And guess what? It does not come because you have earned it or deserved it. It is a free, unlimited gift, no strings attached. Where else can you get that in the world? The answer is nowhere. No one has the kind of love that God declares he has for you. But what he says is when you have received that love, it can begin to flow out through you, through a life that is transformed to become more like Jesus. As you put into practice his words and ways, you become a vessel through which that unconditional, life-changing, never-ending love starts to seep out all over God's planet and to all the people upon it. Continue, he says, to show this deep love that God has given you for one another. For I love that verse. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, the kind of love you hear about in music and you see out in the world today, it isn't like this kind of love. It always comes with, hey, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. Right? It's a pale comparison to the love that God has for us. But what he says is, just as God's love is covered over all of our sins, as it flows out through us into those broken relationships and places in the world, it has a redemptive potential too. Don't underestimate how God can work in and through you by the power of his love. Now, practically speaking, how does that actually happen? Well, here's where Peter goes next. We're talking about spiritual gifts, and he doesn't give us a big, long list like Paul, right? But he gives us a few as a couple examples. Here's the first one. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. You might call this the gift of hospitality. Some of you have that spiritual gift, the ability to just create a space where people feel welcome and valued and loved. You do that in your home or in any place you go. If that's you, you have the spiritual gift of hospitality. He says, use it to bless others. If you're the kind of person who cringes at the thought of people coming into your home, you're like, oh man, it would be such a mess. I got to clean everything up. I don't even know what to put out. Good news. You don't have to worry. You don't have the gift of hospitality, right? So you can just take that pressure off yourself and say, that's not what God's calling me to do. Now you can, just as an aside, you can grow in the natural gift of hospitality and learn how to use your home as a place where people feel welcome. That's true too. But don't feel the pressure that God isn't putting on you because you have a different gift he's calling you to use, right? Why do I say that's one of the gifts? Because that's what Peter says next. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, right? Scripture lists some, probably not even all, but at least some to get started. And all of them, he says, use them well to serve one another. So as we put into practice what God has given us, as his love flows through us, it has a chance to transform the world. He has two more gifts he wants to lay out for us. If you have the gift of speaking, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. 
right? If the thought of standing up in front like Joyce did earlier or like I'm doing right now, if that sends you chills and you're going to run the other way, good news, right? No pressure. You don't have to do what God has not gifted you to do. But if you have that ability, if you do that in your workplace, presenting at a meeting, if you do that at school, getting up in front of your class and giving a report and you don't melt down and cry, maybe you should think that you have this gift. God's going to use it to proclaim good news in some way as you lean into and grow in it. Here's one last one. Do you have the gift of helping others? Uh, I know many in this room have a gift. At least comes close to this. Whether it's the natural gift or the spiritual gift of helping and serving, do it all with the strength and energy God supplies. I know that's true because I've seen time and time again, when life gets hard, you rise up. Right? And whether it's bringing food to someone uh, who is going through a tragedy or loss or has just had a baby or whether it's standing with someone and just being there as they grieve and as they struggle, you rise up whenever you see people at their worst and you are at your best using your gifts and the strength and the energy God supplies. And all of that lands here, the second half of this verse. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. What a radical new perspective that gives us on our everyday life. What you have is a gift from God. When you put it into practice, it actually reflects back on him in a powerful way, and it has the potential and power to transform lives and even the whole world. We know that this world will come to an end. We don't know when. Each day we're here, we have work to do as we await the day when God makes all things new. And until that day, our hope and prayer for you is that you would lean into whatever God has uniquely called and gifted you to do so that you can embrace it, live it fully, and take delight in how God is at work in you and in his world. To help you to that end, uh, we have a couple next steps we'd like you to think about. And one very specific one I'll ask you and challenge you to get involved in here in just a moment. The first is connect with others and put your gifts to use. There's something powerful about accountability. If you tell somebody else your spiritual gift instead of just kind of keeping it in your own head, then they're going to be like, well, are you going to do that? If it's leadership, if it's wisdom, if it's help, if it's serving, if it's words of encouraging, if it's generosity, whatever it might be. If you don't know, by the way, what your, list, your, what your gift is, go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, take a look there, or talk to Karen, uh, or go to our website and you can do a spiritual gift inventory. It's not painful, but it's interesting and it reveals something about you. What I've also found, you've heard this, if you watched my video a week or two ago, is other people call it out on you too. So invite them to speak truth about who you are. Number two, look for ways to serve through the church, right? I've said before, we celebrate actually number three, ways to serve in the community more, because when you do that, it always washes back and you serve here too. And, and that's an amazing thing. But there are needs for people serving on the band or in hospitality, buildings and grounds, lots of ways you can volunteer and get involved. And number four, watch and pray for people close to you but far from Jesus. We always want to call that out because that's part of the unique calling God has given to us to make disciples of all nations. And he has placed them in your life as well. And he wants you to be aware of that, prayerful as you engage them, and ready to do whatever he's called you to do as part of that next step. So I'm going to put up some here and practice questions uh, during our upper room time in a moment. But before we do that, back to the first one. Um, we have a very specific way you can get involved in this. We have some connect groups, uh, some next step, <clears throat> sorry, Karen, I'm butchering the name, 
Gifted for More Connect groups, right, that are an opportunity for you to study more about this and connect with others who have a similar uh, interest. You can scan this QR code. It'll take you to the Church Center app down at the bottom of it. Uh, there's a little icon, Gifted for More groups. You can click on that, sign up, or just learn more. Karen's here. She'll be out in the lobby afterwards. You can talk to her about that, too. And if you're not ready to commit right now, that's okay. Uh, she'll work with you on that. But we'd love to get you connected in deeper intentionality and community around how God has uniquely gifted 